1: Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alex welcome to the State of the podcast. Where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glass. This week on this episode, we will be talking, well, an MLS review, Geo body language, dancing, McKenny, Gaga, Orlando, can the crew be saved? Pepe's return, and so much more. But first, joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this Monday, September 19th? And I will add, we come to you from our auxiliary uh, studio. Our studio is being fixed up. It's going to be incredible. So we've uh, moved to a little different type of studio. You can hear us. If you're watching, you can see us. It's still beautiful. We still got wonderful background. How are you, my... Oh, what's on top of your head there? I am doing
2: well after a fun weekend in Ann Arbor. <laughs> purchased this hat that I'm sporting.
1: This is, so, I mean, it looks beautiful. Um, congratulations to your Wolves, Wolverines of Michigan. They continue to uh, run through the field. Who did they beat up on this uh, week? Yukon. Uh, the, the Huskies of Yukon. I didn't even know they had a football team, but uh, congratulations uh, once again. Did you ever see the, uh, the movie um, St. was Fire? I have. Uh, Rob, Rob Lowe's character at one point goes back to college to try to kind of recapture some of the glory. And I, I just picture you walking in there and everybody's screaming and yelling, Mossy, Mossy, did you go back to some of the old haunts?
2: And uh, was it fun? You look you look
1: a little tired, buddy.
2: Yeah, it was an
1: You're paying the price, man, huh? <laughs> uh,
2: it was a lot of fun, although I must confess, seeing all these young people full of hope with their lives ahead of them uh, does make you think about all the mistakes you made. <laughs> at a point in your life as well.
1: Uh, so it was an illuminating type of return back, all right? Well, you, you're you're a better person for it, uh, but all in all fun, right? Any changes
2: happening over there in uh, Ann Arbor? Yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some of my favorite restaurants have disappeared and others have emerged. You know, it's, uh, yeah, the world is constantly evolving. All right.
1: Uh, uh, so you didn't get a chance to watch much then uh, over, you know, the days that we haven't talked.
2: Uh, in terms of TV? Yeah. Now, um Tonight, I'm excited. It's the... Uh, season finale of this show industry on hbo that i enjoy um it's about finance i don't understand a word of the finance stuff but i find it compelling nonetheless uh it's kind of succession meets euphoria uh also i gotta get caught up on house of the dragon uh also a new season of atlanta has started i gotta watch the first episode of that so i got a lots lot to get of, caught up
1: lots of work to be done my friend uh, i got three things one uh sins of our mother the uh, lori Vallow story it's ripped from the headlines it happened over the last couple of years horrible horrible story but an uh, interesting documentary and we're in the point now where um contemporary documentaries because of the technology age we live in so much more is now literally documented and so we have obviously police footage that we've never had in the past from documentaries personal footage we have all this kind of stuff so it makes documentaries even more vivid and real because we have all of this and that's certainly on uh, on display in this one um i went back and watched you ever seen that movie He's just uh, he's just not that into you. It's a it's a rom com, if you if, if you will. No, I've never. Uh, it, it's so good. I thought it was really really good, and I I don't I I just bypassed me when it came out. It was you know relatively popular, and I'm sure some of the folks are behind the uh, cameras and microphones are nodding their heads either that they've seen it or or that they like it. And then uh, there's new Mark Wahlberg one on uh, Netflix called Father Stew, and I thought it was going to be kind of you know, real religiosity. And there is a huge religious element because it's this guy that starts as a, you know, kind of a misfit and a, a boxer and getting into trouble and then actually becomes a, uh, a priest. And so it's a, it actually was much better than I thought it was going to be. I came in with very low expectations uh, when, when, uh, when it comes to something like that. Um,
2: you ready to light this candle? Because
1: we oh. got all sorts of soccer that has uh, happened. This is this last time we spoke. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Where do you want to start?
2: Uh, we're going to start uh, with uh, Major League Soccer, the regular season winding down. Okay. Um, why don't we begin by taking a look at the standings, kind of setting up where we are. Um,
1: well, we said all along that it's, you know, this musical chairs type of situation, and in, out, up, down. And it, that is absolutely the case. If you take a look here uh, at the West, uh, it, it you know, Real Salt Lake, I think really, we'll, we'll talk about the games individually here, but it's going to be real tough for them. Seattle, I think, is out ultimately. And so we're going to see a situation where for the first time in their history, they're not going to be in the the playoffs. And LA Galaxy, who we've so long talked about having games in hand, got a big win and kind of pushed themselves back into uh, contention here. But not everybody's played the same amount of games. So again, as we go through this next round, midweek games, uh, or as as we get through the international and then uh, the games come, it's going to be really interesting. Where do you want to start?
2: Let's start with Austin-Nashville, Driussi versus Mukhtar, yep. both MVP and Golden Boot implications. They both scored in the second half, Mukhtar from the penalty spot, Driussi then equalized minutes later, so Mukhtar is now at 23 goals, Driussi at 21, and Mukhtar, my sense is, is still the MVP frontrunner coming out of this game. You might recall the last time they played, Mukhtar scored twice, Nashville won 3-0, I felt like Drewsi had to have a similar performance exactly. this time around to kind of wrestle it back. Exactly,
1: this was the the return, if you will. This no, it was the return, and this was, I think, what people were respecting is this um, serve and volley type of thing back and forth between these two incredible players who absolutely will be up for the MVP. And I, I think Drewsi had to have a huge game. But more importantly, I think it had to be in the context of them then getting back also from a points' perspective as they go into the uh, the playoffs here because as we know when it comes to the MVP it is the regular season that ultimately de- ultimately decides this but you know both teams are going to make the playoffs. who do you think well I think' it's, it's probably a simple answer uh, given but is it without a doubt that Mukhtar is more important to his team than Drsi is to his team I know that the the, the data shows that but
2: it's close. I don't want to sell Jerusi short, okay. but I would slightly lean Mukhtar on that, and I would give him
1: the MVP. You would slightly lean uh, Mukhtar, but if from a from a defensive and planning type of perspective, if somebody is coming up against Nashville, and you neutralize or shut down uh, shut down Mukhtar, then you get a good chance of winning. In the same way that you do uh, of, of Jerusi, but maybe not as much. So maybe it's much more of a of a team. And Nashville, I think, and Nashville fans recognize that they understand that's exactly who they are there's not it's not going to change any time going into the playoffs not you know nobody's going to step up and be anything close to uh, a Mukhtar
2: all right what else uh NYCFC have gotten their mojo back um have as, they? as we were taping our last podcast they were facing atlas in the champions cup they won that game 2-0 collins and Maxi morales with the goals another triumph for mls over liga max for american soccer over Mexican soccer—unbelievable how one side of that rivalry. More, more, yeah, Saturday.
1: more silverware for uh, NYCFC and the pigeons out there in uh, in New York.
2: And then they followed that up by beating the Red Bulls in the derby this past weekend, 2 0 Collins and Santi Rodriguez with the goals. So after a terrible few weeks there, NYCFC a couple of nice results back. Yeah,
1: there. both on set pieces in that uh, abomination of a uh, uh, of a soccer, you know, <laughs> theater, if you will, that is uh, Yankee Stadium, but. They know how to play there, and obviously they got the results. I'm not sure how much of the mojo is back, but I'm still not scared of facing NYCFC in the playoffs in the way that I was a year ago.
2: And we should say the Red Bulls have already clinched the playoff berth. 13th straight season for them, which is very impressive. NYCFC, not quite yet, but presumably they will be in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, One team definitely headed to the playoffs. FC Dallas, they clinched this past weekend. 1-1 draw away to San Jose. Paul is sent off late in this one, but it didn't matter. Jesus, Ferreira, and company headed to the postseason.
1: Yeah, and as we've said all along, now that it's that they're going to the postseason, they are not only a better team in terms of their first team, but they are more relevant. And I think that in and it of itself is a success for a team that while we all know they, hung, they hang their hat on development, this is a team that for many years has not been relevant when it comes to the uh, the first team. And that's ultimately... I know there's people that that love youth development and you know love all the you know the the, the structures behind the scenes that are going on. I don't care. I don't I've I've, t- I've said that before. I want to see it ultimately benefit the first team, which is ultimately your what you're selling in terms of season tickets and that is the pinnacle of your club. And I'm not saying that selling players on and going overseas isn't is not important, but if that's all that you're doing, then I think that I don't think you're giving your customer, ultimately, what they deserve. And in this case, FC Dallas has given both the customer what they deserve from a first-team perspective and a developmental perspective, and they have changed the way that we now think about FC Dallas. We'll see if that's sustainable.
2: Montreal won no winners away to New England. Uh, let's do the Montreal part of this first. Okay. Uh, they're still mathematically alive for the one seed in the East, but most likely are going to be number two. Do you view it as... Philadelphia and LAFC are on one tier and Montreal is the best of the rest? Or do you put them on that top tier and call it a big
1: three? I don't put put them on a big three. Doesn't mean that they can't beat either one, either of uh, the Union or uh, LAFC, but I don't put them on that big three yet. And look, when it comes to the Canadian teams and where we are, it's not completely out of sight, out of mind, and they are part of the league, but they do... They do suffer in terms of the visibility and therefore the credibility. I don't think that they necessarily care because they can use it to uh, their advantage. But what Montreal has done this year and what Wilfer Nancy has done this year deserves praise, deserves attention. And ultimately, when they get to the playoffs, I think that's where the attention and possibly the damage that they're going to inflict because of just how good and solid they are is going to uh, manifest.
2: For New England, very damaging result. Doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. Um, again, the topsy-turvy nature of this league. Supporter shield, single-season points record one year, and then the following year, most likely missing out on the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and there is an element that, that has followed Major League Soccer, uh, or that even leadership in Major League Soccer, that will actually point to that as a as a positive for the league. That is what is desired. That is what is manufactured in that parody that we talk about uh, in that you can go from first to worst and you can go the opposite uh, uh, way. And that's that's part of what is promised when it comes to the league. And Bruce Arena, more than probably anybody, <laughs> uh, should know that, that 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 can happen and you have to guard against it. And those that are able to maintain some consistency, you look at Seattle and and others, even, you know, even Philadelphia Union, uh, with doing less with more, but at least recognizing that, you know, because of the salary cap, because of the restrictions, you are going to have to change. Um, they deserve even they deserve even more credit. So, yes, this is a fa- I think there's ultimately going to be a failure of the year. And you can say, yeah, but well, we lost this guy. And we lost this guy. And we lost this guy. Well, you've got to be able to to restock or at the very least recognize those changes are coming and be able to adapt even in a league like MLS.
2: I mentioned New England won the Shield last season. LAFC with the inside track on winning it uh, this year. Uh, They beat Houston 3-1. Carlos Vela on target twice from the penalty spot. I'll tell you about the Philadelphia result in a a second, but uh, LAFC and Philadelphia level on points with two to play, and LAFC have two more wins. So they have the tiebreaker, so it's in their hands.
1: You know, I mean, look, Vela scoring penalties, but I think in general the team played well. Again, Bale coming off the bench. I thought Killini actually was... Uh, it was pretty good. you see Corey Baird uh, who who's a, a former goal. LAFC player? Yeah. Uh, you know what a goal, what a wonderful touch on the ball over the top. But then even he, he didn't celebrate. I mean this is <laughs> it's, it's a little ridiculous at this point, right? I agree. That's that's one of your old <laughs> I, bugaboos. I, but I, I, I don't even think at this it. point. Like I, it drives me nuts. You are I think I think you're actually being disrespectful and doing a disservice to the game. And to your team and ultimately, ultimately to yourself, I know that you're, you see it as some soor- sort of respect. And this is just, not just Corey. This is, anytime this happens. And I, I don't get it. And maybe I don't feel the affinity and the closeness and the connection to a team that would even, that I, where I would even contemplate not celebrating a goal. And again, I just think I don't understand what the, what the calculation is there. You're there as a soccer player. The whole reason why you even have this crazy notion of respect for the team that you are supposedly revering is because you played well and scored goals and actually did your freaking job for them. All right. I
2: Go. Uh, Philadelphia had scored 23 goals in their previous five games, but they were finally cooled off by Atlanta of all teams. Uh, Nil-nil no, no draw. And frankly, Atlanta should have won this game. It took a great Andre Blake performance to even – Salvage a point for Philadelphia,
1: but that is in essence. it perfectly describes what Philadelphia is. It's it's collective. We all understand that. But within that collective, you are getting potential MVP performances. And in the moment where it didn't go well for uh, for Philadelphia, in the moment where those goals that were just you know flowing like wine didn't, and it all dried up, they went back and they relied on. And arguably one of the great goalkeepers, certainly in MLS history of the last ten years, and also a potential MVP. And I'm not talking about best goalkeeper in the league. I'm talking about MVP. It would be hard, especially with what we we talked about with what Giroudsi and those uh, and uh, Mukhtar and those types are doing. Last time it happened was decades ago with uh with Tony Miola. but man, oh man! And it's not as if we we don't know that Blake is is, a, is a, not just a good goalie, a great goalkeeper than keeping keep you in the game. And if you're Atlanta you have to be pulling out your hair because you did everything possible and they obviously needed those three points. So that wasn't good. Uh, all right. should we check out the uh, Eastern conference. Let's do it. All right. Uh, when, what jumps out to you first and foremost, again, we have a race, we have teams that are all blocked up there in the middle, all racing either for positions within the playoffs or literally just to get into the playoffs. We mentioned Atlanta. I think it might be a bridge too far considering that there are 32 games Columbus, uh, we'll talk about that. I mean, just, it, it's it's bad from Columbus right now. But you know what's not bad? All right, David Beckham's Inter-Miami. My goodness, sitting there in, uh, in the playoff spot. Huge, huge win. Where do you want to start when it comes to these?
2: Let's start with Columbus. You mentioned it. They hosted Portland, up 1-0. Kevin Molino scored in the first half. They thought they had delivered the dagger with Etienne, but it was ruled out for offsides. And then deep in stoppage time, Santiago Moreno with an equalizer. You could see the anguish look in Caleb Porter's face. This has been an issue for the crew all season long. Minus eight goal difference when tied or leading in the 75th minute. Um, and so this one could prove very costly because as we just saw, they were leapfrogged for that final playoff spot. Um, I'm surprised. I thought when they added Cucho Hernandez, that combination of him and Zala Rayan, that Columbus not only would make the playoffs, but were, would be a dark horse to reach MLS Cup. And all of a sudden, they're on the
1: outside. Yeah, and then you see Molino coming back, and I mean, he scored a, a, a great goal, and you you think that it's always heading in the right direction, and then the last fifteen minutes of the game show up uh, for the crew. So I don't know if the crew can be saved from themselves <laughs> when it comes to uh, what is going on right now. And you mentioned Caleb Porter. Uh, there are a lot of crew fans that aren't happy with Caleb Porter, and we know at, at times it gets it's stale for him, and and he moves on. I don't know if we are at that point right now, and this. This situation with letting in goals and therefore losing points at the end of games, no, that's not a physical thing. That is, just, that is just a mental thing of, uh-oh, here we go again, and a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's very, very difficult to get out of it other than just going back to the well each and every time and finding a way to then say, all right, we're, uh, we're through it. But you just got the feeling that the crew from a player perspective on the team and probably from a fan perspective outside just said, we've seen this movie before and it's not going to end well. And it didn't. And that is a huge, wait, wait, first off, it's a huge, huge point for, uh, for Portland, but it's also a huge, brutal, brutal, brutal loss of points for the crew and a bad, bad look again for Caleb Porter, who is already on the hot seat. And I, I mean, I worry for him if he doesn't make the playoffs.
2: The Galaxy above the playoff line in the West. Very impressive from them. 4-1 win over Colorado. All the goals were beautiful. Two for Brugman, one from Raheem Edwards. They put on Francisco. a show, didn't they, huh? Ricky Poosh dishing out assists like Magic Johnson circa 1988. <laughs> um, so uh, the Galaxy coming together here at the right time, I think they're going to make it. You do. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I had
1: said that a while ago, and they do have that game in hand. And if they are playing like that, and you mentioned there was – there was much more of a flow. There was much more, I think, of a purpose of play that you saw. And you know, when, when things are going well, they're going well. You know, chicharito wonderful uh back heel and um who's the left back uh, uh Raheem Edwards. Ah, Raheem Edwards, oh my goodness. And look, Raheem Edwards <laughs> sometimes I have no idea what he is doing out there on the soccer field, but in that moment, uh, you know, he, he scored a worldie. It was uh, it was just incredible. So yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you that the Galaxy right now, while not a great team, are a good enough team and have enough talent, and are sitting in a position right now to get uh, to get over the line. After that, we all know anything can happen. But again, it's not a great Galaxy team.
2: Shout out to Douglas Costa, who still found a way to get himself sent <laughs> off from this game
1: in a game that he's actually playing well. He has not had a great season, and he finally plays well, and then you know, it's bonehead type of move and gets and get
2: gets kicked out. So. Uh, more positive on the Brazilian front was Brenner's performance for Cincinnati, 2 1 winners away to RSL. He big, scored big, both goals. Big, big. Very costly for RSL, who dropped below the playoff line in the West, uh, and Cincinnati really solidifying their place above it in the East.
1: And, uh, you know, Pat Noonan and company and uh, Chris Albright, you know, the new leadership that has come in. I mean, considering they finished last the last three years, and now they're not only making the playoffs, but, you know, unless something really goes wrong here in the last couple of games and other stuff happens, they're going to finish comfortably into the playoffs. And this, this huge result going on the road. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to think about coaches of the year type of situations. And on one hand you have, you know, someone like, you know, first year coach, Steve Terundolo or a, a Jim Curtin, who's doing more with less. And then you have somebody who's literally taken the worst team in the league and actually made them a contender. And so it's gonna be interesting when I finally figure out who I'm going to vote for when it comes to uh, uh, to coach of the year. But yes, congratulations to uh, to Cincinnati. I think they can have a uh, a playoff game, which is going to be fun. Uh,
2: Minnesota doing all they can to squander <laughs> playoff worth <growth>. They lost <laughs> they're to they're SKC 4-1, one, only one point in their last five games. I'll tell you, SKC eliminated, but they just ran out of time this season because since they added Agata, they've been a playoff caliber team. He got two goals in this one, so it's a shame that Peter Vermes and company dug such a big hole for themselves.
1: But this is this this is my question. I I appreciate that they reacted and obviously signed players. But had they not had the injuries, would they still be as good? I mean, was were they was their hand forced to actually make themselves better than they would have been had everybody stayed healthy? I don't know. I mean, uh, but yes, you're you're absolutely right. If if the season was longer, it would have been fun to see how this would play out because they're playing. They're playing free, and they're playing much, much better soccer than we have seen at all uh, during the season.
2: And the Loons, as I mentioned, just clinging to a playoffs.
1: Right? Yeah, they're going to, uh, you know, the Loons are not flying high uh, right now. So I, I, it'll be there. What the Loons are hoping is that when that switch of teams that are in and teams are out, obviously that they're, they're in, but that it's a new lease on life. But it doesn't always work that way.
2: Uh, the stop-start nature of Seattle season continues. Uh, 2-1 loss to Vancouver. Uh, they're, they're in real trouble here. Every time they have a good result, we think, okay, they might be back in business, and then they, they lose. The yeah,
1: but the, yeah, that's the problem. It's up, down, up, down. They needed a run of games. They needed a three-in-a-row type of situation. And I think we on the outside, and probably them on the inside, they always just assumed that it would come. And it just it never has clicked. And, you know, there's a bigger conversation about ultimately how to view this Seattle season. And yes, you know, y- you lose key players in the middle, uh, with uh what's his name? Jean Sha- Sha- Uh right, jean
2: Yeah, I lost him to injuries
1: in the CCL final. Right? And uh and the young kid too. So uh, I get it, but injuries are are part of the deal. And I know CCL is again is going to be used to kind of qualify <laughs> everything here. But yeah. You had plenty of time to figure it out, and ultimately, they haven't.
2: By the way, the Club World Cup might be in the United States. Yes, I saw
1: that. Hey, we'll take it. We we love a tournament. And when I say we, I mean both the U.S. and Fox. So. Yeah. Uh,
2: Orlando hammered Toronto 4-0. Toronto are done. Orlando hasn't mathematically clinched yet, but they're headed to the playoffs, which would be third straight season under Oscar Pereja. Boy, he's really done a nice job. And
1: that's how you handle a hangover, okay? All right, not the Seattle year long hangover from <laughs> CCL. So Orlando wins the Open Cup. All right, fine. Yeah, you know, on the right you lose a couple of games, whatever, and then you snap out of it. And uh and you and you come back and you get a nice uh you know comfortable
2: win. So yeah, Oscar has done a good job, I would say. Uh, and finally Inter Miami 3-2 winners over DC United. They good part of the story Gonzalo going with a stoppage time winner uh which vaults Inter Miami over Columbus and above the playoff line uh, unfortunately this match overshadowed by this incident where taxi fontas has been accused of uh, uh racially abusing Damian Lowe MLS is investigating he denies it uh but yeah really ugly stuff huh?
1: yeah i mean c- certainly we have to let the invest- investigation play out in 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 this day and age or any day and age you want to make sure because you know These are serious types of allegations, and you want to make sure that you are not uh, you know doing something that ends up not being true and basically tainting a person. Uh, having said that, if indeed this happened, uh, there should be you know immediate and forceful types of actions to make sure that the player understands how oh, that's not ever going to be tolerated and obviously send a message to everybody on the field and off the field, that that's not something that's uh, ever going to be tolerated as long as it actually happened. And again, I, you know, I, I wasn't there, nobody was there. And if proof is that this did happen, then, you know, the, um, you know, the full weight of major league soccer should come down upon the player and, uh, punishment should be meted out. Uh, when it comes to the competition and the actual game on the field and the result, huge, huge, huge result for David Beckham's Inter Miami. And look, I did not think that the action from Phil Neville of, in a certain point, benching Gonzalo Higuain and sending that message to him and to his team and all through the league. I didn't think that it was going to have the results. I mean, and I don't think you can blame me or and others because Higuain does not strike me. <laughs> as the guy that takes things to heart and is able to be introspective and is able to change and yet that's kind of exactly what has happened he he took his medicine he i mean this is from the outside i have no idea but he i'm not I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy nobody likes to have that happen and this is a world renowned star with incredible history and pedigree and yet he took it like a man and he came back and he has just been phenomenal for this team and so it's, it's an amazing case study in dynamics and how you handle players and how you handle different players differently going forward. And I'd love to sit down with, uh, with Neville and kind of pick his brain as to how he went through it, the pros and the cons of, of going it, and how it materialized on the other side with a better version of Iguain and one that is, at this point, gotten the team into the playoffs. Um, still still plenty of work to do right now, but again, keep, keep in mind, this is in the context of a, a Miami team that cheated last year, was rightfully uh, punished, and Chris Henderson came in and very, very quickly, you know plugged as many holes as he possibly could, and along with having faith in Neville, has you know, righted the ship, and it's not easy because they are still under restrictions. Uh, that hurt them in terms of what they are able to do. So well done so far. Not, job, job is not accomplished, but huge, huge win away at DC. That is it. That's it. Uh, all right. Are we going to take a quick break? Or are we going to uh, – yeah, let's take a quick, a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, head around the world, including over there in, uh, in Europe. Should we do that? Yep. All right. Don't go away.
0: Getting ready to take on spring?
1: All right, we're back. Uh, Should we take a little trip around the world here, and uh, especially over there in Europe? Where do you
2: want to start? Let's start in Germany. Oh, sehr good. Okay. Union Berlin 2, Wolfsburg 0, Jordan Pifok. Who's that? Who's that you say? First goal with a nice header. Uh, Union Berlin atop the table. Jordan Pifok was the most notable omission from the U.S.'s uh, most recent squad. A lot of people were uh, angry about it, and they're even more angry after this weekend. Alexi, how could a guy scoring goals for the first place team in the Bundesliga not be called up? Uh,
1: as I say each and every time, a national team is not a meritocracy. A national team is not about the best players. It is about the best collection of players. A national team is picked by humans with inherent biases and histories and baggage and all of that. Um, and ultimately, this, a national team is made up of human beings making subjective decisions. But I will say this, a national team coach, in this case for the U.S., is ultimately judged by what happens in the World Cup. And so having that out there, and in particular for a position that we know is of need in that striker position, it it is going to constantly be a source, and I think fairly so, of discussion as to why is he not with the national team. And I think there are legitimate reasons for Greg Berhalter to make. We can disagree with him. People out there can disagree with him. But again, they are subjective types of decisions. Uh, that he's scoring goals is great. Scored a wonderful goal, really wonderful timing, and then the ability to, you know, to flick the ball into the uh, into the side there. And so, yeah, this is, this is a goal scorer in that number nine position, albeit that plays the position maybe not in a way that Greg Berhalter, well, obviously not in a way that Ger- Berhalter likes. And it doesn't mean he's not going to be on the – uh, on the World Cup roster ultimately, but he's not there, it, it, is, going, it is going to be a source of uh, discussion going forward. When we do the uh, the, uh, the games, we're doing the Saudi Arabia, Arabia game on, uh, on Fox. Our friends over at ESPN are doing the uh, Japan game. I guarantee it is going to be part of the narrative and part of what we're talking about. And that's okay because we as an American soccer playing nation are now into this Rarified and new air, where we actually have more players than can play on the field, and maybe more players than even can, can fit into a a twenty six, and that that brings discussion, that brings debate, and that brings criticism and disagreement, and that's uh, that's okay. But congratulations to him uh, going forward, and we'll see if the the num- number nines and the strikers of the U.S. men's national team, uh, you know, respond in camp.
2: Uh, Union Berlin, five points clear of Bayern, who lost one nil away to Augsburg. Bayern winless in their last four league games. It's been a strange start to the season for them. Julian Nagelsmann coming under some fire. Here. Yeah,
1: so fifth place now. But do you, uh, I'm not, but are, are you even worried about Bayern? Like, is it, is it, oh, this is the end of days and this is a real problem and I'm really, really concerned with Bayern? I, I don't get the feeling that a lot of people are still that concerned with Bayern.
2: Obviously, if I was a betting man, I'd still think they win the Bundesliga, but I will say, I mentioned this at the start of the season, uh, you take for granted having that center forward like Lewandowski scoring 30 goals a season and how many points that's worth. They don't have that, so they do feel slightly less imperious to me without having that guy up there, but I'm sure they'll figure it out.
1: But, I mean, you think that Union Berlin is going to continue doing what they're doing?
2: No, I mean, it would have to be Dortmund. That's the only team I could... Which they're
1: three points behind.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So... Um, yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not worried
1: about Bayern, but I like it. I'm here for it. I, I like the fact that there is this competition right now.
2: I still don't get the
1: the sense of urgency or emergency when it comes to the way people are still looking about uh, Bayern. Seven games in. Uh,
2: speaking of Dortmund, one nil winners over Schalke and the Revier derby. Seventeen year old Yusuf Mokoku with uh, the second half winner, a nice header. Uh, interesting day for Gio Reyna. He subbed on for an injured Marco Royce in the first half, and then got subbed out late in the second half, but uh, you were
1: reasonably pleased with his performance? In that he wasn't taken off on a stretcher or, or <laughs> crying, yeah. I mean, the, the bar's kind of low at this point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that he's playing. The, the question of Gio Reyna's talent has, has never been a question. We, we know he is arguably one of the t- most talented young players that we have seen and potentially a transformative generational type of player. But he can't stay healthy. And until he has a length of period where he is healthy, uh, I'm always going to worry about it, even leading into the World Cup. Having said that, seeing him get on the field now and consistently do things, uh, I think has been wonderful. There's There's a narrative out there now when it comes to Gio Reyna, though, about his body language. And this isn't something new. It's actually been talked of for a long time. You know, the whole thing with body language, we try to read it from the outside. And I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Oh, you know, this guy's at FU and his coach coming off the field. He's not shaking his hand or something like that. Or he looked this way or, you know, he rolled his eyes. And we have cameras now everywhere that document every move and every, every word that is said. When it comes to Gio Reyna's body language, there's a difference between a body a body not pressing or giving up on a play and A player throwing his hands up in disgust or, you know, F you and his coach or something like that. Those are very different things uh, in terms of body movement. Body language is somebody doing something that you are interpreting and thinking that they are saying or thinking something uh, that actually isn't being said. He's he's young. I, I don't care, honestly what his body language does or doesn't say to you, me, or anybody else out there. All I care about is that his, is his body is healthy. And right now his body is, uh, is healthy. Will it turn fans off? Sometimes the things that he does? Yeah. Will it turn his coach off or his players? Yeah. But there's an inherent risk in doing those types of things. But again, this is also a young man who for the most part has been in a bubble of soccer and probably will be for the rest of his career and maybe even the rest of his life and so some of the, the ability to read signs or <laughs> decide what hills to die on and decide how everything that you do and things that you say and things that you do and the way that you act and the way that you react can have an effect in terms of your success or how people view you I mean that's sometimes that takes a little while to figure out, and I I would think that it would be even more difficult if you have been in this incubator and in this warm type of cocoon of soccer, which he has been from a er- very early age.
2: Uh, Marco Royce, by the way, it sounds like not as bad as initially feared. He's going to miss some time, but should be back for the World Cup, which
1: is good, nice. good, good. Guys, so we're worried, and we're you know doing pictures for him and all that. So good.
2: good. Uh, I mentioned Jordan P. Fock not getting called up. I think Ricardo Pepe essentially got his spot. Uh, Pepe enjoying a good start to life at Groningen. He got an assist in his first game. And then this past weekend, gets a goal and a 2-1 loss to Sparta-Rotterdam. Pepe's first goal for Clever Country since October 7, 2021. It was almost a year.
1: And, you know, the reaction, while, I guess, nice that everyone is so supportive of Ricardo Pepe, the desperation <laughs> of... Uh, you know, wanting him to do well, and therefore, I don't know, justifying some sort of notion that, 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 that you have. You know, just as I say, the, um, the national team is not a meritocracy. The national team is also not a charity. And so, him scoring, is it good? Yeah. He's doing what he is supposed to do, you know, albeit in a, a lower level. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not here to downplay or poo-poo it, but you also have to watch the goals that he's scoring. You know, he scored a nice header goal. It would be nice if the defender jumped and you know, tried to even challenge him on that. And he would not be the first attacking player to go to, <laughs> to, go to the Dutch league and to score a bunch of goals and use that to uh, propel himself uh, going forward. But that, that was the whole plan. So let's not break our arms patting on the back for doing what he is actually supposed to do. And I know he hasn't done it in almost a year. And that's, and that's great. But there does seem to be a complete bending over backwards to make this work. And I just hope that it's not forcing something that doesn't necessarily have to be.
2: There was a Brazilian striker, Alfonso Alves, who once scored seven goals in Eredivisie an match, and that was the day I stopped taking the Dutch league seriously because that guy was garbage. <laughs> Michael Bradley scored goals, a bunch of goals
1: uh, <laughs> over there in uh, in Holland. So, and it it doesn't mean that it that it can't fill you with confidence, obviously, and it doesn't mean that Ricardo Pepe isn't getting on that plane to go to the national team. He's there right now as we're as we're speaking, and that goal as doesn't help him, but it's just interesting and amazing to me that we are grasping on to anything when it comes to Ricardo Pepe. Uh,
2: before we move on to other leagues, uh, let's do some U.S. roster sure. news because three players that Greg Berhalter called up have dropped out due to injury Yunus Musa, Cameron Carter Vickers, and Chris Richards. They've been replaced by your boy Johnny Cardoso, who's playing very well with Internacional I and mean, the Brasileirão right now. They play later today against Atletico. I can't quit you, Johnny. I can't quit you. <laughs> And then the two center backs called up uh, Mark McKenzie and Eric Palmer Brown. Eric Palmer Brown, you might recall, plays for Ligue 1 side Tra,
1: yeah. Um, and and this is this is a, an important thing because obviously injuries happen and things happen as we as we go through. And next man up is is going to be important. We all constantly are debating. You know, this is how the 11 should be, but we all recognize that. That's the best laid plans and the perfect world type of scenario. And things are going to happen where we are going to have to see changes. I mean, even I don't want players to be hurt. But this window, for example, with Robinson out on that left side, and we're going to have to see what's going on. The Chris Richards thing is not good for Chris Richards. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of have him penciled in as one of the center backs uh, going forward. But you know, you you gotta you gotta deal with these uh, with with these things. And again, Greg Berhalter bringing in players that he has seen before. And I think again, it just goes back to he's gonna dance with the ones that bring.
2: Uh, checking in on a couple of Americans in A. Juventus suffer a humiliating one 0 defeat away to newly promoted Monza. Monza's first ever Syria victory, um, and it comes at the expense of the old lady. They're the club owned by Silvio Berlusconi. Uh, so Allegri in all sorts of trouble there. Di Maria got sent off in the first half of this game. McKinney started, played better than he has in recent games, but still he's on a team that's in a major crisis.
1: Yeah, um, but if you're if you're going to be on a, uh, on a a crappy Juventus team, be the best player on the crappy <laughs> Juventus team. And Weston McKinney at this point, you know, continues to kind of be that. It's not good from a results perspective, you know, them sitting mid table and, you know, there, there's the dreaded vote of confidence for Allegri and this is a long-term process and blah, 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 blah. But at a certain point, you're Juventus. You gotta, you gotta do the things to get you back to where you kind of belong and where you expect to be more, uh, more importantly. So yeah, this is, I mean, most people have never even heard of Monza.
2: Uh, The big one in Italy this weekend, Napoli go to the San Siro, and they beat AC Milan 2-1 to continue their great start to the season. They level on points with Atalanta top the table. A bit of a disaster for Serginio Dest. He came on at halftime for David Calabria, who was suffering from muscle fatigue, and Dest had a really poor second half. Uh, The fans were all over him. He committed a clumsy penalty on Varaskelia. Politano converted 1-0, and then Giroux equalized. But then Giovanni Simeone with a beautiful header Napoli takes it two to one.
1: Dest has always been an interesting cat, right? I mean, (laughs) there's undeniable talent, undeniable physical and technical skill. And yet you get the, I mean, he's, actually, I think you you should appreciate him. Because there's a Brazilian part of him, I feel, like where he operates on a, not just a different plane, but one that we, we, we can't even fathom and understand. And you know, there's there's some Brazilians, even some outside backs in the past that will do incredible things, and then they'll just do bonehead things. And I get the feeling there's a little bit of that when it comes to Soginio Dest, and yet it doesn't register for him that he has done anything out of the ordinary, or that maybe he shouldn't do that, or or should try to do that. I guess what I'm saying is, you take the good with the bad because the good still far outweighs the bad, but you're gonna have those moments of bad, and he's still obviously betting in with a new new uh, team, a new league, uh, a new culture. But that's not a good thing. I'm not sure that he gets phased by any of that. So, people booing or him not having a good game, I think he just kind of goes back and does his thing and forgets very easily.
2: He's got a little Marcelo. There be. we go.
1: Exactly. Right?
2: Marcelo, who was dubbed uh, a false left back. That's <laughs> right? that the best description of her. <laughs> Um, I mentioned uh, Giovanni Simeone scoring. His dad was involved in the big game in Spain, Atletico Madrid hosting Real Madrid. Unfortunately, racism a bit of a theme on today's podcast because this match occurred against the backdrop of this controversy involving Vinicius Jr. Uh, This has been building for weeks. There's been criticism in Spain over Vinicius' showboating and the way he celebrates his goals, but it took a really ugly turn this past week when on a, a Spanish show, the guest, who I guess is an agent, Uh, said that Vinicius needs to stop monkeying around, so it became a really racial controversy. I mean, some would argue that was always the subtext, but it became front and center. Everybody from Neymar to Pele to P. Diddy chimed in on social media defending Vinicius. Uh, And sure enough, the Atletico Madrid fans racially abused him before and during the match, which was really some ugly scenes there. Uh, He did get the last laugh because Real Madrid won 2-1. Uh, his fellow Brazilian Rodrigo scored a beautiful opener, and then him and Vinicius dance in the corner flag right in front of the Atlético fans. And then Vinicius played a part in the second goal, lovely one 2 with Modric invades the area, takes a shot that hit the post, came back, Valverde slams home the rebound. So it was two 0 at that point. Hermoso pulled one back late, but still Real Madrid take it two to one to continue their perfect start to the season. But what did you make of the whole?
1: Yeah. So look, the you know the comments from the agents uh, from the agent, you know that that is going to that is you know that is going that is fire right and so you should know better than to do something like that and it's despicable and disgusting right as were the actions outside of the stadium by the uh, by the crowd and look i i understand that there's individuals may do things different when they are alone and do and say things different when they are alone relative to being in a group and there is you know comfort oftentimes in a group situation mob mentality we all understand that, but this is why you individually have to be you have to be strong within a group. Um, and I tell kids, we tell everybody all the time, because there is going to be a point where it's easier to go along. It's easier just to do what everybody else is doing. And in that moment, that's when you have to be strong. And you know, this was a group that obviously, from a group perspective, Felt that that was appropriate before the game, and it was discussing obviously not appropriate, and yet I would wonder individually would they have, you know, the audacity to be able to do that, and I'm not sure that they would, and it doesn't make it right or you know that uh, th- that something like that would happen individually or collectively. Ultimately, it, it is all wrong, and so I love the fact that Vinicius is it's not that he's not affected everybody's affected i would think if something horrible like that happens but that he throws it back in the face and you know if you don't like the dancing of a player the surest way to get <laughs> to get them to continue to do that is to do what you're you're doing because if i'm venetius and it sounds like that's what he's doing he's going to fuck you okay uh, i'm i'm going to win i am going to score I'm gonna I dance, and even if in the fa- in the past I was even considering tamping it down, hell no, I'm doubling down. So I I love I love that moment right back in uh, you know the face of
2: uh, you know of
1: disgusting displays.
2: Uh, two soccer notes on this one: uh, Griezmann started for Atletico. Remember they've been trying to keep his minutes down because they don't want to trigger that permanent buy clause. But Simeone felt like this was an important enough game where the heck with that. We're gonna play him from the start. And number two, I'm ready to say it. Uh Chuamini is an upgrade over Casemiro. And I'm a Brazilian and I'm saying that, but another stroke of genius from Real Madrid to get the money they got for Casemiro at his age, going to United, and then buying Chuamini, who is a fantastic player. Rodrigo's goal was a beautiful assist by Chuamini. He is such a good player. I, I think he's gonna be starting for France at the World Cup.
1: You do. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um in the Premier League, the two games we would have been talking about the most, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, Leeds, were uh, postponed because of the funeral of the Queen. So uh, one game really worth mentioning, Arsenal, 3-0 winners away to Brentford. Gabriel Jesus among the scores, and then he did a Vinicius dance kind of tribute to him, which was fun to see. Uh, this vaults Arsenal back to the top of the table. They're one point ahead of both City and Tottenham, who also won this weekend. City beat Wolves 3-0. Alan Holland, surprise, surprise, with a goal and Tottenham beat Leicester 6-2. Hung Son came on in the second half and scored a hat-trick, three goals in a 13-minute span. Uh, there's some big Premier League games on the other side of the international break to look forward to. Arsenal, Tottenham, City United. So uh, the Premier League is going to start percolating again.
1: I mean, I, I don't think that it's wrong for us or, or anybody to be impressed and bullish about what this Arsenal team is here. But, but as such, they're still ultimately going to be judged against... The, the big boys out there, and so they have uh, Spurs coming up right uh, in uh, next weekend, right
2: after the international
1: after the international break. break. So that'll be fun. I mean, we saw them in their only loss, right uh, to Manchester United. So that's ultimately where I think we can we can judge Arsenal. But so far, so good.
2: Uh, Arsenal late in this one brought on Ethan Waneri. 15, 15 years, years old, right? My 181 goodness. 181 days, the youngest player in Premier League history, youngest player in English top fight history. Uh, what do you suppose Sean Sullivan was doing at the age of 15?
1: Not going on the field for Arsenal, that's for sure. Yeah. What were you doing at 15?
2: Uh,
1: Not going on the field for Arsenal. <laughs> I'm
2: doing today, sadly.
1: <laughs> it's amazing.
2: Um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on this kid, but that is but, what, 15 years
1: old. But so there's, there's an example of Arteta. Look, you're leading the league. Um, and, you know, there's still some questions about depth when it comes to Arsenal and, you know, what happens when you get down and dirty and, you know, you're slogging through the, I don't know, the, uh, the festive season or whatever they're, they're talking about that. Do you have enough? And that he, that he has the confidence in what's coming up behind to throw these players in. And maybe it's just completely out of uh, necessity, but that's the type of balance that you need where you're not just doing it because that's all you can do. You're doing it because you have the luxury, because the team is so good, to be able to give these moments in the appropriate moments.
2: Uh, Two more games, and then we're done. PSG 1-0 winners away to Lyon. Are you familiar with a guy named Lionel Messi?
1: Heard of him. Did he have a good game?
2: Uh, He scored a lovely goal, assisted by Neymar. So those two, they're they're chemistry. They're both playing together? Oh, my goodness. Uh, So PSG continued to roll in France. And finally, uh, we end in Mexico. Club America, 2-1 winners over Chivas at the Azteca in the latest edition of the Super Classico. This was a shocking omission from your top five rivalries in the world list. I know. But you think Seattle-Portland is a bigger rivalry? Yes, absolutely. Chivas. Yeah. Uh, America's second goal scored by Alejandro Zendejas. Now, we've heard of him. We've uh, uh, got, in the we got news. some history with him. Yeah, He's been in the news a lot lately. Um, he's a guy who's eligible for both the U.S. and Mexico, played for the U.S. at youth level, buddies with Christian Pulisic but has spent the last several years in Liga MX and has really blossomed into a star with America. He's now considered one of the best players in Liga MX. And so everyone assumed that that must mean he's trending towards Mexico. Tata Martino wanted to call him up recently, but he wanted him to uh, declare once and for all for Mexico. And reportedly he said he would only do it if he was guaranteed a World Cup spot. And Tata wasn't willing to do that. So uh, he ended up not calling him up. There were some hurt feelings there. And then there was talk of Burhalter calling him up Christian Pulisic was reportedly pushing for it, but Burhalter didn't call him up either. So he's kind of in limbo right now. Zendejas. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, this has been a big story in Mexico. Hercules Gomez has been all over it. Uh, kind of a interesting situation. Right? I mean,
1: we we've been through this before, okay? Where you have a player come of age and this tug of war, and it's it's not going to be the last time. As a matter of fact, I think it's only going to increase. You know, keep in mind again, this is by the way another FC Dallas product, uh, born in Mexico. Uh, then grew up in uh, in Texas. And so uh, out of that wonderful system that they have over there at uh, at FC Dallas, and now he's at the point where there's the potential for call-ups. And again, part of me loves it and gets excited about this because it, it proves quality that exists out there. There's also proof of concept when it comes to the youth development that, that goes on. But also there's a part of me that worries that we start to get to the point on both sides, whether it's the Mexican side or the U.S. side, where we start just protecting them to protect them and not recognizing, you know, if, you, if you're just you know, keeping powder uh, dry for later, that's fine. But if later never comes, I, I worry about that. And that's where players have to be honest with themselves and federations, in this case, it would be federations, have to be honest with the player. And you can say, well, it's not their responsibility. They need to, you know, Get the best possible talent and cover their their bets and hedge hedge everything with the decisions that they make. But man, oh man, he's scoring goals and uh, he's a good player. But that doesn't necessarily again mean that from a U.S. perspective that uh, that we have to protect him. He has to play for the U.S.
2: Uh, American first place in the Liga MX standings. While Chivas are headed for the Chaje. I,
1: I love when you say that. Anything else, my friend? That's it. Uh, Okay, let's take another quick break And when we come back Ooh, it's time for Ask Alexi Don't go anywhere
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move With the reliable performance and power Of steel battery tools From hedge trimmers and mowers To string trimmers and more Right now you can save $50 On select battery tool sets Real steel Offer valid on select AK systems through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Okay, we're back and it's time for that uh, part of the show. The Ask Alexi part. You know it. You love it. Uh, well, you know it. Uh, you use that hashtag Ask Alexi. Uh, you send us your questions, your comments, concerns out there on social media and We have a fully functioning, once again, fully functioning State of the Union podcast hotline. Remember, it's 657-549-2297, 657-549-2297. We're getting a lot of calls uh, nowadays, which is is wonderful. We love the fact that uh, you're willing to put yourself out there and actually uh, lend your voice out there. And keep in mind, if you are doing social media, all of the uh, handles out there, S-O-T-U with Alexi, at S-O-T-U with Alexi. Mossy, what do the people want to know this week on this episode?
2: Well, as you mentioned, the hotline is popping. We have uh, two voicemails. Uh, Let's go to the first one. Hi, this is Ben from Fort Collins, Colorado. With seeing all the highlight videos from Gabriel
1: Slanina and the fact that he signed with Chelsea, I'm just curious why he's not more involved in the discussion of, of goalkeeper coming up to this World Cup. Thanks. Okay, Ben from uh, Fort Collins, I appreciate the question. Thank you for calling in on that uh, hotline. Uh, you know, Gaga Slonina, right? Uh, he is a wonderkin. He is an obvious talent, and it, which is evidenced by Chelsea snapping him up, and he's played well. Having said that, he is still a young talent. I still don't see him, and I'm not surprised that the talk has not been about him relative to 2022. I think absolutely 2026, but I think in particular because he's a goalkeeper and because we have good goalkeepers and more experienced goalkeepers and I do think that experience in all positions is important, not always necessary, but I do think in a goalkeeper position it's necessary and it would it it would worry me as good as he is and as talented as he is if he were in goal for the US men's national team. Now you, you have many times talked about the Brazilian phenomenon of taking a player to kind of blood them and just have them be around the team. Again, this isn't a player who has ever been in that dynamic with Greg Berhalter that we know he talks about so much. So I also think that it doesn't quite work for someone like him that would just be kind of like this, this interloper at the last minute coming in and a young, very, very young inexperienced player who is not ultimately going to play, and he's not ultimately going to make your team better in the moment, which is Greg Berhalter's responsibility. So, I just, I just, I, I just see him as twenty six as opposed to twenty two. What about you?
2: Um, I would consider him as the third string, as you mentioned, just for the experience. I mean, if it's going to be a Horvath or Sean Johnson, I almost think takes Lonina just for the experience. Uh,
1: really, and I towards twenty six. I don't. Think, I, I again, I, I go back to the dynamic. Um, I'm not. So I'm not opposed to having a young, inexperienced player, I just I go back to the dynamic of this team that I know Greg Berhalter obviously values highly. And just I worry about, not that he's a cancer or anything like that, but I just worry about putting him into something like that. But uh, Ben from Fort, uh, from Fort Collins, don't worry about Gaga. He, he's got a, a very bright future, and knock on wood, he stays, uh, he stays healthy. We know that, I mean, speaking of staying healthy, Zach Steffen right now, I mean, there's, there's not only a question as to whether he is going to be in goal as the number one for the U.S. men's national team. I think that that ship is kind of sailing away now with his injuries. But there's a question, even if he's going to be healthy enough to be one of the three when it comes to going to uh, uh, going to Qatar. But even if he is not, for example, I still don't see anybody being that third goalkeeper other than Horvath or... Uh, um, Sean Johnson. And I think it's going to be Sean Johnson. Ultimately, if everybody is healthy, uh, we, what do we got? We got some more, right? We have
2: another voicemail.
1: Hey, Alexi, this is Jared Brown from Orlando. And I just want to tell you how much I love you, brother. Is this a joke? Is this a trick? My goodness. I mean, that's, that's, that's direct. That is to the point that, Warms the cockles of my American redheaded heart to hear that. Um, I am not related to uh, Jared Brown from Orlando. The potential exists that this is tongue in cheek, facetious, but I choose, Mossy, to believe in the best in people. I choose to believe in the light. I choose to believe in laughter and joy and positivity. And so therefore, I choose to believe that Jared Brown is genuinely calling to express his incredible love for yours truly. I will accept that love, and I will bring it back twofold to you, my friend. So Jared Brown from Orlando, I am just telling you right now how much I love you. And thank you so much for that message. As I said, it makes me feel incredibly happy. You jealous?
2: You know... If you went by Twitter, you would think that you're the most hated man in America. You would. But I have to say, I've traveled with you for work many times, hung out in lobbies of hotels, having beers and such, and I've never seen an unpleasant interaction in person. Everybody that comes up always loves you. Can we get a picture? You're my favorite. So it is interesting, that this contrast between Twitter and the real world.
1: Well, we know that Twitter is not the real world. Um, It is a wonderful video game and should be treated as such. I mean, that's that's very nice of you to say. Uh, Look, I I, I am sure I have my detractors out. Well, I know I have my detractors out there. And I'm sure that there are detractors out there that if given the opportunity one-on-one would tell me how horrible I am and how much they think I'm horrible. Um, But it is few and far between. I'm not saying it's never happened. There certainly have been. I actually appreciate if and when somebody comes up and disagrees with me in a respectful and civil way, even vehemently disagrees with me and thinks that I'm off my rocker and crazy about something that I'm saying or really, really is uh, disappointed even in something that I say. That's that's okay. You can certainly uh, you can certainly have that. But, you know, it, it comes with the territory.
2: I didn't want to mention this at the time because I thought it would sound a little douchey, but I'll mention it here. Uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago I was uh, hanging out at a coffee shop near my apartment and some guy did come up to me, recognized me from the video. I Said, hey, "Are you David Mossy? Yeah, a big fan of the pod and we chatted for a couple Really? Of said, yeah, yeah. So. See, that's
1: cool. That's cool. I don't I mean, listen. We, we are all a bunch of uh, egomaniacs, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, egotistical narcissists when it comes <laughs> when it comes to the industry that we're in. You know, having said that, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to know that you are resonating. It's nice to know that people care. And in general, whether you're on television or, or, or in the media or not, it's, it's nice to know that people appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you do. I'm glad that you're, you have moments like that. I know you don't need them um, because you are you know, much more fulfilled and content with yourself as opposed to the shell that I am that is in constant need of adulation and uh, reaffirming of uh, my ability and my belief in my talent. Um, well, that's cool. Anything else uh, you want to uh, go here? We'll just go to get those two. That was cool. That was cool. Thank- I, we had not heard that beforehand uh, from, uh, from Jared, but I do appreciate uh, if there is any love out there, whether it's real or not. I mean, I'm gonna, as I said, I'm going to choose to believe that it is real. All right. Uh, should we take another quick break? All right. One more quick break. We'll come back to the end of the show and I'll give you my one for the road.
0: All right, welcome back. It's the end of our show.
1: Uh, and at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. Um, we are coming to what is kind of the end of the road for this U S men's national team cycle. And as we know, there is a international window upon us, which features, uh, not just the last camp when these players will be getting together, but also the last games with these, with these two games. And I hearken back to a time long ago, back in, uh, what I affectionately refer to as the 1900s, back in the mid-1990s when I was preparing for the World Cup in 1994. It was a very different scenario, but there were some similarities, including this, uh, this understanding that there was going to come a point when the roster was going to be announced and you were either in or you weren't. And there is a, for lack of a better word, a ruthlessness that I think is essential to anybody that is successful in, uh, in sports or probably anything in life. And it's, it's not always at the expense of others, but there is an element of, um, of looking at your situation and pushing aside others. And I will never forget the moment when the national team that was going to represent the U.S. in the World Cup in 1994 was announced. And I think I've told you about it before, but it it bears repeating. Um, We were in a parking lot. We were in a parking lot in uh, Laguna Niguel, California. And for many of us, it had been the end of a very long process in the same way that This cycle will come to a conclusion and all of those experiences, all of those interactions that we have had, all of those ups and downs are put into a calculation, again, for a human being with all of those, you know, biases that we talk about and all of that baggage and history and shaken up and spit out in terms of a result. And I remember being in that parking lot and you went one way or the other. One way, coach needs to see you. Other way, coach doesn't need to see you. If you went and the coach needed to see you, that was not a good thing because it was, you know, the thing in your locker, baseball, all that kind of stuff. And every athlete goes through different versions of this. And I'll never forget driving home from that parking lot, knowing that I was going to be on the final roster and the culmination of now multiple years. uh, And I had very, and this is going to sound harsh, but I had very little sympathy um, or empathy towards others. And maybe that is a a selfish way, or as I said, a ruthless way of looking at it, but I'm just trying to give you a, (laughs) a look into the mind um it's not that i couldn't see that they you know weren't going to have this moment and that was going to be painful and sad and something that they would hold on but it was me against them and while we were friends while we were teammates while we supported each other ultimately there was a competition going on and to come out on top that was the goal it was always the goal and this last camp now coming up for these these players There are plenty of them that are going to be involved that know they are going to be on the plane to Qatar. I was not in a position to know that that was necessarily going to happen. And until it actually happens, even for players that you would think should know that they're going to be, until it actually happens, sometimes it doesn't register, especially if it's your first time. And for most of these players, almost all of these players, it will be their first time going to a World Cup, as we've said time and time again, coming off of the immense failure that was uh, 1998 and there is nothing like it when that finally happens and there will be a separation and it's winners and losers not losers like in the you're a loser but winners and losers in that the winning part of it is you're going to the world cup and the losing part of it is is you're losing out on the opportunity and that's what the world cup ultimately is and so when you're watching these players that have been lucky enough to be called in playing playing for their future playing for the seat on the plane, Uh, look for that ruthlessness. Look for the, the players that are saying, I am going to do whatever it takes, regardless of what has happened in the past, and maybe that's all part of it, but ultimately, this might be my final chance to prove that I deserve to be on this team, that I deserve to represent the greatest country in the world, and go to Qatar and to be involved in this World Cup that could potentially change my life uh, forever, forever, And we will see ultimately in the games, but it's done every single moment, every single training session, every single interaction that you have in camp could be the thing. And I'll, and I'll leave you with this. In 1994, I've been told this story before. Uh, Joe Max Moore, you know Joe Max Moore? Okay. Mr. Clutch. Yep. Mr. Clutch, right? He was right on the edge of going to the World Cup. And Bora Militinovich, our coach, Loved to play soccer tennis. And literally a day or so before, Bora had to have the final roster in. He was playing soccer tennis with Joe Maxmore. And Joe Maxmore is the most competitive player I ever met. They are playing soccer tennis. Joe is just dying to beat anybody, including the head coach. And years later, Bora told me that in that moment, watching Joe Maxmore, he said, "I am going to bring Joe Moore to the World Cup because how could I possibly not have somebody on my team that wants nothing more than to win?" And yeah, you know, there's, there's, there might be distance between other players, but this was yes or no. It was right on the edge, right on the border, right there, and that's what tipped him off. So you never you never know what it is—something that you do, something that you say, obviously something that you. Kick in this instance, uh, the attitude that you have, the spirit that you show, the personality that you show, the heart that you show. You never know if that's going to be ultimately what, again, the human being, in this case, Greg Berhalter, is going to decide that tips you over and gets you on that team and gets you on that plane. I love it. Can't wait to see it.
2: Anything else, Masi? I'll just say the thing I'm most looking forward to is those last European club games a week before the <laughs> World Cup when the squads have already been announced, I think you're going to see a lot of guys pulling out of challenges. And yes. Going, take yes. it easy, take it easy.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we all, you know, with this international window coming up and we will be covering it all, uh, as we've said before, it gives us a great glimpse into a lot of these teams that we are going to be covering. And so I can't wait to uh, check out those games. We have Nation League uh, coming uh, coming up, obviously the, uh, the men's national team uh, uh, games coming up, but everybody is playing right now. And so those of us like you and myself and others that are trying to get as much research and information as possible we will be eating up all of these different games that are coming in absolutely anything else absolutely. all right keep uh, reviewing and writing and subscribing thank you uh thank you also to uh, the men and women uh that were able to put this together we are like we said not in our normal studio but they didn't miss a beat and uh looks great it sounds great hope it uh, looks great and sounds great at home we will be here for another show and then we'll be back in our, uh, our regular studio going forward. But until then, keep reviewing, keep rating keep uh, subscribing, keep downloading, keep clicking, keep uh, sending us your message, whether it is uh, on the uh, social media platforms or obviously on our State of the Union podcast hotline. Again, it's 657-549-2297. Do all of those different things. Uh, And we really, really appreciate that uh, you spend any time with us. Again, coming uh, at you two times a week now on the State of the Union. Uh, We'll talk to you later
2: on this week. And until then, and as always, size the day.